Now, the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So, I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 20th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, doing okay. Just uh, ready uh, ready for the weekend, but I don't know what the weekend doesn't entail What's... anything different than what <laughs> the weekdays entail at this point. I was talking to my brother who's lives in you know the real world uh, we all live in the real world but as we we are kind of separate and apart right our schedules aren't really a nine to five our office is sometimes you know often our home i have an actual office that i but i rarely go to but you know it's just not the real world not the nine to five or the commuter you know it's just a different world and he said they're all like he and all his friends from like college they're all adjusting. There's like, there's like a lot of drinking going on. People are like having like cocktails like every night, stocking up. Like I don't know if they're getting worse for the wear or anything like that, but it's just a different, different mentality right now. That, that I think speaking to your, you know, Monday is no different than Friday right now at this moment. You know, it's just kind of they all blend together. I don't think we're going out Friday night. We're not going out Saturday. We're not going to soccer games on Sunday. Well, that's the thing. There's nowhere to go. It's a little different. It's, uh, you know, it's just what has to be done, though. That's uh, yeah. the reality is, is I, I mean, I'm a social isolator anyways. I sit in the, my basement all day, and that's about uh, it. That's, that's all I got going on anyways. <laughs> You're a dungeon crew. Remember the dungeon crew just hanging out in the basement. Um, you know, someone who is moving on the move is uh, Nick Foles coming your way to chicago i don't think uh, wednesday when we recorded for the wednesday episode this was still up in the air and uh now it is firm and final oh he put, he's picking up a wine glass right now big big for uh, re- responding to this i didn't well, know you had enjoy, a beverage yeah enjoying some uh some smith devereaux wine friends of the okay. program okay. but uh yeah the uh nick Foles. he's got a statue what does that mean? He does? Yeah, outside of the Philadelphia Stadium. He doesn't have a statue. That's not accurate. They got the statue for that uh that play so that he for ran. For the play. Okay, okay. All right. The the Philly Philly special, right? Or Philly yeah. Philly or whatever it's whatever called. Whatever they call it. They're gonna be mad at we don't remember this like they have it, you know, tattooed on their arms. But I think it's pretty sad to have a statue. I think it's pretty sad that they have a statue. Oh, you're taking a place. run. The people of Philadelphia will take that. I mean, yeah. we got we got a statue in Chicago. It's of Michael Jordan. You know, Dick Buckus, okay. you know, <laughs> greatest basketball player of all time. Not arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, soaring through the air. That's the statue we have yeah. outside our stadium. I think the one outside the Brown Stadium is Jim Brown. Who? Yeah. Maybe Everybody's loving the Browns off season. 
They do. I saw. I, I haven't been close to following as closely. We need linemen, so we're we're getting some defenders now. We'll see. It's all bullshit. I mean, I saw some like ESPN or one of these main, you know, big outlets. Like, oh, the Browns' offense is just loaded. Just so many threats. Austin Hooper now. Like, so we were saying this for. This is exactly what we said all of last year. Now, you know. <laughs> I texted my buddy from Chicago uh, <laughs> about he's from college. He lives in Chicago. Big Bears fan. He's like, oh, you got to be you got falls now. I'm sure that's going to go well. See ya. He's like, hey, you be quiet. He's like, Shh, you're not allowed to talk anything. Kitchen just took a dump all over your house. You're not allowed to talk any shit. So. Again, that's your, your off season yeah. is a win just because you got rid of Frankie Slowkick. I think slow that's kick. it. We're talking, I think it's now providing hope with all this talk of the weapons. Like it doesn't matter as Kitchen's your coach, but we'll see. I don't even remember who our coach is. So, I don't oh, either. Evan Stefanski or Ryan, whatever they got. Stefanski. The guy from the Vikings. Yeah. So. Big play action guy. I'm not up on football yet. I'm not there right now. Uh, okay. It's really the only thing going on. I mean, are you, you the Foles thing's not going to go well? He's a statue. He, I don't know. I mean, he's better than Mitch, right? Uh, <laughs> he was terrible last year. Maybe I don't know that he's better than Mitch. I I, I don't know. Whatever. I, we we they miscounted on the tight end count. Uh, the ten. guy. <laughs> there's ten. There's not nine. There's ten. <laughs> what are they doing? What is that going to do? I don't understand. I don't. I mean, obviously, they're not going to actually take roster spots come like September, but like what? I honestly think they might be running jumbo every play. (laughs) Just handing them all off. Who are the wideouts? We got Allen Robinson. We got one of the best wide receivers in football. I mean, think about Allen Robinson's life. He's had Blake Bortles and uh, and Mitch as his quarterbacks. Who was the guy from West Virginia that blew out his knee right away? Kevin White. Okay. Yeah, he's gone. Okay. We got uh yeah, we got Anthony Miller. We got decent wide receivers. Okay. Well, best of luck. I I mean I I wish nothing but the best for the Bears, but uh, I wouldn't be, you know, thrilled about Nick Foles. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Let's get hey. off of this. Yeah, go let's ahead. go on to golf. All right. Hey, let's start Friday. No golf happening, but I'm going to start Friday with a, I don't know if it's a new segment. This may never happen again, but reader, reader submission, reader question of the day. All right. Been thinking about this for a while. This is from Brent C Brent Siha, Montana, who character signed his, his note as anti-golf shoes, Brent anti-golf shoes from Montana. I like this guy. Been thinking about this for a while, but this seems like a good time to ask. What would happen to a player that consistently holds his card but isn't really known to casual golf fans, i.e. Kelly Craft, Ryan Moore, Brendan Steele? Comes back from this layoff just covered in tattoos. Like both arms completely sleeved, maybe a neck tat, I don't know, and then makes the cut at his first tournament back. Wouldn't he instantly be a PGA Tour Live the next week under, you know, live under par type promotions? I don't think they would let it happen. Would he be what Tommy Fleetwood is to casual fans, i.e. the guy with the hair? Seems like it would be good brand activation. Dennis Rodman wasn't the worm until he did this. And the first guy to do it is the only one that matters. Anyway, I'm sure Andy will, this question will drive Andy crazy. It's not a bad idea. 
if you if you're about brand activation. I know. I bet you get a lot of sponsors. I love that. I said Kelly Craft, Ryan Moore, Brendan Steele were this the kind of. I feel like you know, Ryan Moore's miscast a, there. He's a. He went, I mean, he's he, a, he went with that the shirt and tie. Remember <laughs> that? I, I do remember it now. Yeah, clearly. That was all he was known as, really. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in his great amateur, legit. He, he amateur. has brand activated. It's unlike Kelly Craft. Kelly Craft went for a scummy move with the joggers to brand activate, but it didn't work. He's still just as irrelevant as he was before. It's a it's a great suggestion. I don't know. Maybe some guy out there would, you know, take the leap just to carve out a new identity. Games. Hey. I don't know. Did you see that uh, Bovado was allowing betting on the minor league tour? Oh, yeah. I've got it here on our rundown. (laughs) So you want to know the results? You want to know the results? 18 months. This has been in our wheelhouse. And now they're gambling on it. Sonny Abacoa lost in a playoff. Just to be clear again, his name is Sonny Kim, correct? Yes. He just owned the Abacoa course. So he's now Sonny Abacoa a la Stevie Fountain. Okay. All, all-time money winner on the on the minor league tour, which we've talked about a hundred <laughs> times. What is it like, two hundred grand or something? He can't get out of second stage. He gets every year. He gets to second <laughs> stage and just blows up. It's unbelievable. It's like clockwork. It's been happening for like ten years too. Oh god, that's the thing. Um, so Brian Carlson won. Made a birdie on the nineteenth hole. The real OBJ finished. You know, two shots out. Okay, I saw he was the favorite. I think he had the no, lowest he odds. No, he wasn't. He was. He was. Uh, he was Who like had the, the lowest four. odds? Cole. Uh, yeah, Eric Cole. Eric Cole. Based on his four. I bought it. Like, are people really betting these? They, these I bet they are. Their people are degenerates. I honestly might be able to start a, a minor, minor league tour picks a segment. Tips? Yeah, Polly. I could put it behind a paywall. <laughs> yeah, that's this great. This is my chat and time to shine here. <laughs> The, pi- um, the pirates. The, <laughs> that's an inside term of art. The pirates. Uh, Wait, so what was Sonny Abacoa second? He he lost in a playoff. Oh, he lost in a playoff. Okay. Where was this held? It was at Atlantis Country Club. The, it was the Atlantis Winter Classic. I can't believe there's gambling. The, the, people can win more money gambling on the minor league tour. Like, feasibly win more money gambling very easily anybody we could we could gamble yeah, and win more bad. money than the guys winning the minor league yeah. tour yeah <laughs> that's a good point good point <laughs> like you could bet ten dollars and win more than the winner of the tour went all right um i feel like you could like... really you could you could go down there and get crooked with those minor league tour players that's, that's you say sunny hey take yeah. a fall Take a yeah. fall, Sonny. That's a good point. Time to catch this chip a little heavy. I just would like to understand if these are actually available to bet. I know there are lines and people tweet about them, but it's all PR stuff. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to be going on much later, longer, though. I thought I saw Miami. It was ordered. They, courses they should not be playing golf tournaments right now. <laughs> it's reckless. I see, see JT and Ricky are out doing left-handed challenge. I think they were playing the Grove. It looked like it. There's a guy in scooter and scoot, 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 and flying down the fairway. They um, were not social distancing either. So, I mean, talk about catnip. 
And when there's actually no other things to talk about, this is like catnip on steroids, you know? And as soon as they tweeted it, it just, or Instagrammed it, it was just avalanche. You won't believe these guys are doing left-handed and goofy clothes, left-handed challenge. It's just like, I mean, whatever. People got to keep their jobs. I'm not going to dog that. So whatever. You got to keep your job. You got to find something to write about. But yeah, catnip on steroids when there's no actual golf or anything else going on. Um, other news, distance report is delayed or, or the further next steps will be delayed because of what's going on. Nothing yeah. real to say. Not a lot of news. Nothing. Brooksy, Brooksy has donated a hundred thousand dollars to, I don't know if relief efforts is the term, but kind of charity to uh, combat the fallout of coronavirus. Good on Brooksy. Good, good couple of weeks for Brooksy. You see, he called Rory. I was like, are you really against the, uh, I think that was on faxes. I thought he didn't have his number. I, that's what I, as soon as it said, like Rory said, Brooks called me. I wonder if that was like kind of a subtle shot at Brooks to say, you know, are you really against it when he was down in Mexico? No. Um, other news. Yeah. I don't know. MLG yeah, betting, nothing really happening as you'd expect. The big thing is like, should you be playing golf right now? Some closes, some courses are closing. I think the problem is like all these old people are out there and they're not social distancing. Yeah. They're like riding in carts together and they just like are acting like it's the flu and they're like, it's just not responsible. It's almost not responsible to let them do that. I think I saw Pebble beach was still open. I mean, Shipnuck tweeted that Tuesday night, so a lot of I stuff. Think, I think Bandon's still open, too, but they, they're doing, like, no takeout, no dining, no, like, you can only take out food. I mean, it's really tricky because it's a great social distancing activity. I think, like, the thing where I, I think where everybody doesn't, what they don't think about is maintenance crews are, like, 20 people. They yeah. share equipment. They share a bathroom and they have to get to and from work. Like that's where. That's the issue. People yeah. aren't saying like, you know, you can be say I think even Washington state where obviously a very hot spot is still on allow, like says it's approved, uh, generally approved golf's fine. But that was the, the thrust of Fred Ridley's letter to his members about why they were closing. It's like the maintenance staff. This people who keep the heartbeat of this club, the staff who work here should be the first and foremost. And, you know, I'm not saying courses who are opening are disregarding their staff, but that should be the priority of, of how do you, how do you adjust in that? And that's like one of my issues with all these people that are like golf courses shouldn't close. It's like, you're not think you're think you're thinking very selfishly here. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you got to think about the 20 people like, and they can't disregard the course for a month. That's, yeah. So, but that what, you know, I just did an interview with a superintendent in the Bay Area. They have, basically, they have a four-person staff that's alternating, and four people come in, like, once every four days. Got it. And they alternate, and they're doing just the bare minimum of what they need to do. Sure. And to make sure that the fine grasses don't get, you know, but that, and, and that's the other thing is, like, Golfers, if they're like, I bet there are golfers that are complaining about conditioning at courses right now. Oh, and God. it's just like, just, just you know, get like, your head out of your ass. Exactly. I mean, that's a straw man we just 
made, but yeah, I'm sure someone somewhere has done that, you know. Um, anyways, I know a lot of superintendents listen to this. I know a lot of professionals listen to this or I get feedback from them. I mean, obviously they're thinking about you. Let us know if we can pass on any messages. Tell other listeners who may be golfers to get their acting gear. Um, and, you know, you know, keep up the good work. Yeah. I guess the number one thing with this whole thing is like, Think about the whole situation. Yeah, everybody. I, I felt like I talked about that on Wednesday. People don't want to hear us talk about this too much, I assume. But it does seem like the social contract is being uh, not renewed, but it's coming to light. Like, hey, we're all in this together a little bit, right? The, the crazy social contract that you don't think about enough where it's crazy. You get an Uber or a cab or whatever car you want to get and you're not driving and you almost 99.9% you're putting your life in someone else's hands that you don't know and probably won't ever see again. And it works. It works. 99 or get on a plane or whatever it is, or just that we don't all kill each other. Like the social contract is, it's kind of, it's wild. I mean, it's, it's just that we don't reflect upon that more. And I think this virus is sort of bringing that up. Like, Hey, let's not all maximize every inch of, profit or every self-interested motivation so I'm, I'm hoping it is more more often than not so all right i'll shut up stop blabbering you want to, uh you look like you want to talk you're yeah. smiling you're going back and forth to the mic and then I, I don't know whether i should let you peek your head in um should we just remind everyone bixbycoffee.com yeah it's, it's i gave rough. the wrong url all the whole time the other day it's okay doesn't it's- work just go to BixbyCoffee.com and scroll around. You'll find Shotgun Start. I don't think it's slash Shotgun Start, as I said. It's like product slash Shotgun Start. And just so you know, this stuff is fresh roasted. It's, the it's day, still fresh. I've been I've been getting into pour over coffee. That's one of my things that I've been doing with my time. Yeah. Is that yeah. it takes me twenty minutes to make a cup of coffee now, but oh, I've got a lot. Of, I got a lot of time. But the thing you notice is when it's fresh. Yeah. Your coffee, like when you're doing a pour over, like domes up. And if it's okay. not, if it's not fresh, if it's not within two weeks, you're not going to get that. Like they're interesting. It's so much better when it's fresh. Oh, the little so, barista boy over here. Hey, you know, tips and tricks. But my uh-huh. wife comes down, makes fun of me, puts a cure again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I love just, that. <laughs> uh but yeah bixbycoffee.com join the uh, shotgun start coffee club it's what 15 percent off if you do the recurring you can set it yeah 17 bucks for a bag or you can get multiple bags i signed up i got two bags every three weeks ripping through coffee whole bean uh i got all i got all tin hat conspiracy and i ordered three pounds the other day isn't it tin foil hat yeah Tin hat. Okay. Whatever. Um, Tin hat. Yeah. Aluminum foil hat. I don't know. All right. Join the Shotgun Start Coffee Club. It it also supports us. Let's talk about Hal Sutton. Perilous times. Can we do a flashback Friday for one second? Yeah. I'm just rereading the the Instagram account. So if you follow us there, this is duplicate. I just had to talk about KJ Choi winning the Valspar Championship, then the Chrysler Championship. With a freaking Sasquatch square <laughs> driver, I read the I read the AP article. I was just laughing. Like, no one got within two shots of him on a Sunday afternoon. What? Where? Shit! 
I've lost my place. But either way, uh, Ernie L's here, here it is. Sorry. He started using a driver that not only is square, this is, I think, the AP writer. He started using a new driver last week that is not only square, but sounds like someone swatting an empty cola can upon contact. This is the AP, which is supposed to be pretty dry, like writing. Ernie Ells played with Choi on Sunday, said it sounds like a tuna can attached to a shaft. I love to think of that in Ernie's, Ernie's voice. So KJ, winning with the Sasquatch. One week in the bag. The Sasquatch, the whole square model driver did not last long. Real talk, my my four ball partner who actually he divorced me. He, he oh. kicked, kicked me off the team. Uh-oh. He well, you know, he uh uses a don't Sasquatch play golf three wood. Really? Yeah. Is it like the real square design? Like the He loves it. Anyways, that's a quick flashback Friday. We put more details about Choi. He dominated Tampa, like always in contention, won it twice. The the hammer drill godfather. So on Instagram for KJ more Choi. Maybe we, we could uh profile him. I just love thinking that in Ernie's looks like a uh a tuna can fish with a shaft in it, you know? Uh, Ernie talking about the just perplexed by the square driver. All right, let's talk about Hal Sutton, a.k.a. Halimony. This is our shotgun SGS spotlight for the day. We've done, who have we done now? We've done uh, Corey Pavin and, and Monty. Colin Mont- this is quite a set. We put this one up for Fan Vote Friday Jr. Ben Crenshaw just got boat raced. Doors blown off. General Ben, people wanted Halimony. We had voting on Instagram and Twitter, and we let the people decide. Of course, we are going to do both of these guys. It was just who comes first, really. Yeah, Mrs. Fried Egg wanted Gentle Ben. Why Why that? What's her reasoning there? I don't know. She just said she she voted for the other guy that, that okay. we're doing. Good. So but that, that, it, the... it could have been because of uh, Hal Sutton's marital. You know, she knew more. It might have been because of this marital situation. All right, let's get into hell. All right, people I, wanted hell. I wrote a little intro. I did a lot of prep, and I decided this might help out with the whole segment. Before you do that, do you know many people named Hal? No. Because I just think, you ever seen A Few Good Men? Yes. Obviously? Yeah. And the two guys on trial, like there's the big the African-American guy on trial and the little white shaved head guy? Yeah. When they get finally get found guilty, they're still like they get there's still like a sentence. The little white guy just starts screaming, Hal? Hal? Hal, what does that mean? Hal? My idiot friend from college just go through the halls screaming that at people. And now I think of that every time I see Hal Sutton. I just start screaming like the guy in good few good men. All right, what's your little intro? All right. There are no Hals, not enough Hals is what my point. Hal's a name of the past. I, I wish I had read this before I had a glass of wine. So, the what does bear, that mean? Well, you know, just you can't read once you have a glass of wine. Yeah, it makes it harder. All right. All right. The bear apparent, Prince Hal, Halimony. Hal Sutton was never short on nicknames or game. The Shreveport, Louisiana native burst onto the PGA Tour stage in the early '80s, winning Rookie of the Year a Players' Championship, a PGA Championship, and a money title within 18 months of earning his card. But Sutton turned out to be a study of of the fickle nature of golf. Although never short on talent, he went through a slump for the better part of a decade. First, he tried too little, then he tried too hard. While his career resume is slimmer than it could have been, 
Sutton will always be remembered for raising his game when nearly everyone else's faltered. He is the only player to stare down both Jack and Tiger on a Sunday and end up with the trophy. An underachiever, maybe, but Sutton can never be accused of lacking moxie and metal. Oh, good writing there. You got Herbert Ward wind over there. I dusted off my my fingers. Actually, yeah. worked for once. Still tight. Moxie and metal. Uh, let's get to that. I mean, do you want to take on some of the things you referenced there? Or are we going to talk about them yeah, either way? We'll, we'll, we'll talk I mean, about I want, we'll we got to talk about what he did now. in those first 18 months. Like Insane. Just, I mean, think about that right now. Who would be the subject of that? Like, it'd be like uh, Victor Hovland winning the players and the major this year or something like that. Yeah. Right? Kind of and second not, season. Not only, but like he beat Jack at the PGA. Right. How many people had the opportunity to beat Jack and Tiger when Jack was like really Jack? I mean, Jack was 43. Okay. So it was, you know, it was an older Jack, but I mean, he beat Tiger in 2000. Right. It's kind of like Vince Carter talking about how he played against, you know, MJ and and Michael Kobe Kobe and and LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, insane. So he's from Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. Nickname. Born in Halimony. This is for his numerous wives. Prince Hal, right? Wasn't that another one? Prince Hal. The, the bear apparent. The bear apparent. That's fantastic. Because yeah. of the gold, like, mop of hair, the, the yeah. blonde mop of hair. Uh, I mean, like, right out of Go ahead. Because of what he did right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was dominant. His best his- year. His best year was his second year on tour. Right. Which is why you end up beating Jack and also having a shot at Tiger when you get some rejuvenation late in your career. Do you have his amateur run? Yeah. So, well, he he was also nicknamed Popeye Arms. And, you know, he was like a standout football player. In Louisiana? Yeah. He had multiple college D1 offers. But he chose to play golf, and apparently his dad was like pissed about it. Really, he hated, and he hated because that their team wasn't very good. He hated relying on ten other guys. Oh, okay. Well, that I, I, in my research, he was like known a bit as a loner. Like you, you hear about him as like he didn't have a ton of friends on tour. Sort of a loner. He was a kind of like a trust fund kid, right? He was very known to be well, well yeah. to do, sort of. Dad owned a oil uh, oil business. Hey, while we're on the subject of calling him Halimony and we're talking about his days in Louisiana, can I read this excerpt that John Azekowitz, the smartest man in the world, smartest man on the internet, OG kind of sports Twitter, sent me from a good walk spoiled in uh, the, the infamous John, famous John Feinstein book. Yeah. Let's go back to Louisiana days. This was when, obviously, Good Walk spoiled about Q School. So this was Sutton trying to get it back. Sutton's reputation as a ladies' man was legendary. One afternoon during the summer of 94, Sonia Toms, wife of young pro David Toms, walked into the bag storage room at a tournament looking to get something out of her husband's bag. Like Sutton, Sonia Toms is from Sonia. I'm sorry. Sonia? Sonia. Yeah. Sonia. Like Sutton, Sonia Toms is from Louisiana, and she is, to put it mildly, a stunning woman. 
When she walked into the bag room, she ran into one of the tour's veteran caddies, a man known to everyone simply as Samson. When Samson spotted Sonia Toms, he introduced himself and said, aren't you married to David Toms? Yes, I am, she said. You're from Louisiana, aren't you? Why, yes, I am. Samson shook his head in amazement. How in the world, he asked, did Hal Sutton miss you? So just sort of <laughs> alluding to old Hal's uh, frisky ways with the women and, and uh, allegedly, you know, certainly every good looking woman in Louisiana apparently has been the target of Hal. Uh, was his reputation. According to Samson, the caddy. So. All right. <laughs> Ironically, he went to college at uh, Centenary College in Shreveport, which is their... Uh, <laughs> mascot is the gentleman the gents the centenary gents <laughs> the patrick reeds i love <laughs> that's a good joke i like that the <laughs> centenary gents those some of those southern schools just have fantastic names Furman, paladins my dad was like crazy about knowing memorizing every nickname so i, I knew centenary the gents he he turned that school into like a top 10 school when he Top was there. School, golf. Like in golf. Okay. All right. They were like a golf powerhouse, centenary. Yeah. He was a force in, as an amateur. Was he highly recruited or and he just went because it was local or he was I don't know, think he wanted to leave leave home. Shreveport. Okay. Have All you right. ever been to Shreveport? I've not. I've driven through it. Independence Bowl, right? Yeah. Lots of casinos. I do know that. Yep. Um, what, uh, so he won the USAM in 1980. Sean Barton sent me all these stats, but I forgot to write them down. Do you have them? No. He uh, tweeted them at us, he, right? He won. Yeah. He, he won like four or five. It, here, I, can get it. I got it. I got it. Um, no, I don't got it. Please discuss Sutton's night. This is Sean Martin, Martin, PJ tour, Smartin. Please discuss Sutton's 1980 season of amateur golf. 1980 won the U.S. Amateur, Western Amateur, North and South, Northeast Amateur, and was the medalist at the World Amateur Team Championship. Those are a lot of primo amateur events. Didn't you win the Western twice, I think? Yeah, I think so. So, Stud. Absolute stud. Yes. So on his career, 14 wins, one major. Okay. Um, first win, 1982 Disney Classic. He would have been yeah. the Rookie of the Year. I don't think they even had Rookie of the Year then. This was before the OWGR days, too. Right. So, like, when everybody does these ascents, like the like Morikawa is kind of one right now that they're talking about. Yeah. Hal Sutton's not doesn't even qualify, which is unfortunate right. because his ascent might have been better than anybody else's. He was an All-American. He won 14 golf tournaments in college. 80 college player of the year, in addition to all those amateur events. All-American, led the gents to the NCAA tournament, and they finished ninth nationally. It's kind of crazy. Centenary. Centenary. So he wins the 83 players and the 83 PGA. Yep. And the 83 uh, money list. Yep. Then in 86, he broke the memorial scoring record by 11 shots. 
Holy cow. Merrifield Village? Yeah. It was a very calm week. Scoring was low, but 11 shots he broke the scoring record by. Wow. Nine-year winless drought from 86 to 95. First win back, he shoots 61 to win the 95 BC Open. Wow. So Randall Chambly, Invitational. All right. You like that one? Do like that one. All right, good. Um, he wins six more times from '98 to 2001. So that was, I'd say, outside of the start of his career, that was his second peak. Four Ryder Cup teams, one captain. See, OWGR high was five. Now keep in mind, OWGR wasn't around when he had his best, probably his best part of his career. I think '86 was the first year of the OWGR, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Um, And then uh, from 98 to 2000, he had five wins and 29 other top tens and 80 starts. This was after like being completely lost in the middle of his career, which we'll go into in detail. But I mean, like barely keeping his card. Nothing. Nothing. After winning, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, players, PGA, money title in his second year on tour. Let me, uh, I got this. There's New York Times Masters preview in 84. Okay. All right. Many people think he, who's Sutton, and the 27-year-old Seve Ballesteros of Spain are the best young players on tour. Ballesteros is two up on Sutton in major victories with a pair of Masters, including last year's, and a British Open title. Tom Weisskopf recently said that the, of the golfers who have joined the tour in the last 10 years, Sutton, Biaceros, and Jerry Pate were the only ones who impressed him. Wow. Jerry Pate is another interesting profile because he had a shoulder injury that just ruined his career. Yep. Yep. Nicholas... Didn't Nicholas say he's just not... So are we going to go into the very specifics of... Uh, of The 83 PGA is his peak moment in my mind. But while you're talking about like Seve and all this, Nicholas, who he beat Nicholas at the the 83 PGA. Nicholas says like, congratulations, it's going to be the first of many. But then after... But five years later, in 88, it was a little unfair of people to project him as a dominating player, Nicholas said. He's just not as powerful as guys like Ballesteros and Norman, and his putter has hurt him. So Nicholas, by 88, was out after telling him, walking off the green, it's the first of many, you know, he's down on him comparing to, to Seve and do, Norman. Well, but, do you know why? what happened there? What, with Nicholas and Sutton? Well, what happened in that five-year span? What? I mean, he got he, married. He's chasing women, Porsches. He, he didn't care. He didn't care about golf. He was riding horses. He bought a farm, big ranch, and he just was riding horses. He, In you Arkansas, know, he, right? He's very Usti-esque. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> he reminds me a ton of of Louis Ustazen. <laughs> what? Just Why? Just, <laughs> like I mean, the the famous Louis Ustazen story is that his agent you know, muttered under his breath one time. Yeah. If I could just give get this guy to give a fuck, he would be the <laughs> right, best player right, in the world. Right. Well, here's here's Jaime Diaz, the fall of Prince Hal. Here's Sutton himself. 1984, I stopped working on my game. 
Well, that'll happen. You won't play well after that. The thing was, I still played pretty good, and I just started taking it for granted that my game was always going to be there. This has been a year when it finally wasn't. After the Nabisco Championship in November, Sutton retired to his 1,300-acre Arkansas ranch that he and his father, Howard, owned. For two months, he did almost nothing but learn to ride cutting horses. What is a cutting horse? I don't know. We're the wrong people to ask. When Sutton returned to the tour in January, he completely lost the reins of his golf game. I mean, Somebody, he had to use an exemption when he was like 31 years old. Yeah, what was it, top 50 yeah. minor exemption? So this is what they said. Sutton got plenty of practice in the cutting pen. I had one horse throw me into the fence, and the trainer said, she's just trying to figure out if you're a real cowboy. <laughs> There's some good quotes about him. All right, let's go. Let's see. 83? Right, 83 PGA. Okay. This is a Dan Jenkins excerpt. This is right from the top of a Dan Jenkins Sports Illustrated story. It's a great article. Go read it. I read it tonight preparing yeah. for it. I read so, I read so many. I, I was like inspired. I, I, you know. That's why you typed up that little intro, huh? You read yeah. Jenkins, Jaime. I, read, I might I might have read I might have wrote wrote more than that. I might have like a little mini Hal Sutton profile written. Oh good. Yeah. Good. We'll see. If if people right. like it, you know, it'll be up tomorrow. All right. In the end do this work. In the end, Hal Sutton even stood up to Jack uh, stood up to Jack Nicholas, thus confirming the suspicion in professional golf that what we have uh what we have here may well be the offense of the eighties. Blonde, strong, determined, unafraid, that's Sutton. Now add that he's the 1983 PGA champion in his second year as a pro. And young Hal won the title the way you sh- you would want him to win it, by pulling himself together and making pars over the last four holes of the Riviera Country Club in Pacific Palisades to beat both Nicholas and Jack's reputation, to beat the Heat, and the killer smog, and finally to beat uh, the choking dog that was struggling to climb out of him. Yep. So, so he, because he, the choking dog, which Jenkins said he choked at, at the Anheuser Busch two weeks early, blew a six shot lead in the final round of Calvin Pete. Then on, on the 83 PGA on Sunday at Riviera, he bogeys 12, 13, and 14. So, Got Peter Jacobson coming up. Did you see that Peter Jacobson little snippet? He took him? a shot at yeah, him. That Jake, was fantastic. Jake, he's like Jacobson, otherwise only known for like imi- his imitations of other pros' swings. <laughs> Pretty good. Jacobs could write, obviously. Um, Did yeah, you see he, that Hal Sutton wasn't on the 83 Ryder Cup this team? That's what I have a big note. Like, think about that right now. You were talking about how OWGR wasn't existent. What a kind of archaic rule is this? He's the money winner. He's the money leader. He's not eligible for the uh, Ryder Cup team because you, he wasn't a, a professional long enough for long enough to satisfy the PGA's requirements. He's the, the reigning champion of the PGA Championship, and he doesn't satisfy the requirements to be a Ryder Cup player in '83. It's like Morikawa goes and wins the PGA and wins. Like a FedEx Cup event, and win, win, think about Morikawa winning the players and the PGA in a year, in a Ryder Cup year, and not being on the Ryder Cup team, not being allowed to be on the team, and winning the FedEx Cup because what the money of, list was the FedEx right. Cup. Right, crazy. 
He just he just turned pro. They weren't let him on the team. I lo- I also it was interesting. Did you see Jenkins? He goes, uh, if the TPC were yes. considered a major as it ought to be, Jenkins, who's like a surly protector of tradition, so to speak, ought to be a major of the players. Interesting. What else you got from that? Um, that's all I got from that. Yeah. That's I mean. So that's Nicholas tells him I have the feeling this is the first of many as he walks off, and it was the last of his majors, 1983. So his major record is not impressive. After talking about Paven the other night, it's very not, simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, he went nine years without winning. <laughs> lost the game. Lost his game in the middle. Yeah. I mean, like that can't be underrated in, in, in that. So it uh, sounded so hot there. Smog, August in LA. Sounded like he was just barely hanging off, climbing up eighteen. From what I understand, he had a, he, you see at the in this champion story, he had a heart attack during an event, a mild one. Uh, I didn't see that tonight in my research, but I remember it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so and he then struggles. He wins a bunch more times. I mean, he won. I think he won uh, eight times. In this, in his first five years as a pro, six years as a pro, stud as you as, I mean, his amateur days were our harbinger of that, right? I mean, this guy's going to be a great player, and he wins money title in his second year on tour, wins a major. So, do you want to so, talk about? You looks like you're trying to play something. No, no, it's okay. I, I'm just pulling it up for later. But then, uh, so you talk here, about the week after the PGA. Sure. So he wins the PGA at Riviera. Then they go to, I think it's the Buick and Warwick Hills. Because the this is a New York Times article. The ball he won the PGA with was promptly banned the week after he won. Look, you're giddy. You're, you're, you're giddy. This is incredible. It's a New York Times article. Ball used by winners of the major United States golf championships this year has been banned by the USGA. The titleist tour 384 used by Hal Sutton to win the PGA title last week was removed from the list of USGA-approved balls Tuesday and may not be used in competition governed by the association's rules. According to the USGA, the title is Tour 384. It has 384 dimples, hence the name. Violates Rule 2-3, which says the ball shall be designed and manufactured to perform in in general as if it were spherically symmetrical. The problem with the 384, this is from the New York Times, and all its dimples is that it bores through the wind better and stays airborne longer than the balls allowed by the rules. So here's our guy, your guy, Frank Thomas. So, this, this was Frank Thomas before he got on the take. The big hurt, Frank Thomas. Somewhere. What happened to Frank Thomas is my question after this. The big hurt. Somewhere along the line, you have to draw the line. There are 350 or so balls on the conformity list, and testing is a lengthy process. Again, somewhere along the line, you have to draw the line. And Sutton's ball was out the week after he won the PGA. I mean, tons of guys use this title, this tour 384. But Frank Thomas, 1984. Unbelievable. 83, I'm sorry. 83, he's doing that. This is the (laughs) same guy that just let it all go. You Fell know, asleep. 18 years later. Fell it's insane. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's yeah i i texted shackle for that article yeah and he replied i didn't know this happened <laughs> i mean i figured if he did we would have heard many tweets and you know articles by shack who's a great historian and stays on these things uh, kind of great I, I had no clue that happened no the tour 384 Tylus was Tylus was bothered by it but not like in the way they are now apparently but you I know, mean, it just of, sounds exactly like the pro v1 today but how about the timing middle of the season i mean you know i guess pga was in august latter part of the season but that's just yank it that was Next, before frank thomas got on somebody's payroll probably this is now frank thomas he was in the John this Houston is- and the Wait Right Shoes, 1990 Honda Classic, too. Frank's subject here. This is when Frank Thomas had, you know, he was a menace at this point. All right. So back to Hal. His hey, ball's could, gone. Can we go back, go though? Can we, while we're here, talk yep. about how Hal was just on the cutting edge of golf ball technology during both of his highlights of his career? Ooh. So you're trying to downgrade him for that? Or what are you trying to say here? So he played the Strata. Okay. That was a groundbreaking ball. <clears throat> yes. So that was that kind of powered his, his second run. And I didn't ever really think about it, but I loved the Strata when I was a kid. Sure. And it was an awesome ball. I was a big Hal Sutton fan, actually. You were? Oh, I loved Hal Sutton. <laughs> How does one become a Hal Sutton fan? I mean, I... I, I, I loved I that... dislike him, but... I think it's because he was the one guy that stood up and beat Tiger. Okay, but you're basing a lot off that 2000 players. I mean, you can't. That's. I think his lasting legacy is that. Like, okay. I mean, incredible player. It, it just the fact like nobody, everybody crumbled. Sure. Against those guys, and he was he was the guy that didn't. You know. Yep. yep. Um. So. Here's a here's a little on uh, on the Strata. According okay. to Nick Raphael, Raffaelli, Spalding's uh, director of tour relations, the Strata Ultimate is more than just a multi-layer ball. It's a pioneer in the field. Our Strata Tour Ultimate. What is, year are we talking here? This is know? like 99-2000. Okay, I was going to say 98. Okay. This is just before the Pro V1 came out. Sure. So him and Furyk were the big users. Okay. The, our Strata Tour Ultimate is the first ball to take advantage of the revolutionary new te- technological innovation, the tungsten energy core. The oh, core yeah. concentrates the weight in the center of the ball, which equates to greater ball speed, higher launch angle, <laughs> and increased spin, which all adds up to ball flying farther. Uh, we at Spalding were the fir- one of the first to introduce a solid core ball back in the 80s, and people weren't overly accepting. The old, the older solid core balls were known for their exceptional distance, but it, it was felt it gave up some feel around the greens. Now, after 20 or so years of technological advancement and working with different materials and covers, we're able to give players incredible distance a solid core ball is known for but also the same touch and feel around the greens as a wound ball. All of these factors merge together in the Strata Tour Ultimate. He Pretty good. Play, playing Pro V1 before everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So Amazing. Jim Furyk talking about it in the same article. It allows me to take the ball 
over some dog legs I may not have been able to carry before. For example, if there are bunkers 255 yards off the tee, I think the strategy helps me fly it over them simply because I'm able to get it uh, more in the air, more air under the ball. Last year, that wouldn't have been possible. Interesting. Pretty good. Where was Frank Thomas on this? Yeah, where are we? The tour 384, whatever it was, 386. Lost a little zest at this point in his career. Yeah. Interesting. That's it. You make a good point, though, about Hal being on the kind of front edge of two pretty. It sounds like a lot of guys were using that tour 384 when they banned it. Yeah. People were like, what the hell? But there wasn't. A third of the field had to switch balls that week. 60 players, I think I saw. All All right. right. So with these, these, are we done with this 80s stretch or do you no, want to talk no, a little no. bit more? There's so much stuff. Go ahead. All right. So, you know, it, the downfall, here's a quote. I was doing many other things like riding horses. I just wasn't being satisfied by golf. Many other things. He's doing a lot of work there. He was doing many things. Yes. So he also had an agreement with his dad, who was this, who had this oil thing. He was reinvesting all of his earnings into the oil business. So yep. he was, he was making it like he was making a ton of money. Sure. It wasn't just like tour earnings money. He was, buy, he had a jet. He yep. had like, I mean, he was, Hal was on top of the world at this point. Can I read you an excerpt from, go You want yeah, to keep going? Go, no, go you go. I got to find it. Hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So the downfall, part of the downfall, he 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 didn't try hard. Yeah. And then he tried too hard. Like he went to every swing coach in the world oh, for okay. a while. Okay. And here's a quote from from that Jaime Diaz article. Each and every one of us has a fingerprint. When you start trying to change that fingerprint, that's when things go wrong. Interesting. So in addition to riding horses and many other things, he never, like, he, he obviously, we talked about how he apparently, if you were attractive in Louisiana, he found you, according to the caddy, Samson, um, had four wives. Um, but, like, this, after the success in the early 80s, he didn't really talk about it. Like, there's this, a long article on golf.com called about, uh, that was about Tiger when Tiger, you know, the scandal. Uh, it's like... Hal Sutton lived the wildlife. It's, it's on byline. It sounds maybe it's Bamberger. I'm not sure. Um, one of the popular. What, what is up with the unbyline shit? I don't know. Com. It, it's I don't driving know. me nuts. All their archives. I, I'm not sure what they're going for there. I mean, it's their SI articles, I assume. One of the popular opinions among golf analysts and players is that Sutton was never good in the first place. And it's like, that's BS. Um, Prince Hal, though, lived a wild life in those younger years. A wild life, capitalized, was more or less understood in those years, much the way that a fade-out in old Hollywood movies suggested that Rick and Isla had sex. That's not a reference that resonates with me. Wildlife meant fast cars, stories Sutton admitted his weakness for Porsches, and late nights and parties and hangovers, and lots and lots and lots of women. In those days, for the most part, Wildlife was left to the imagination, the, the phrase wildlife. Sutton would marry and divorce four times. He was cruelly called palimony. We know that part. So this article cites, he never really talked about it, but he wrote about it for this religious site. He became very religious and Christian, uh, you know, t- towards the, that 
Renaissance, the 2000s era, when he's using the Strata. When uh, Pavin, that was when Pavin was. Right. So he wrote about, he, he never really addressed it or talked about it publicly, but he did write for some religious site, quote, golf did not bring me personal happiness. So I began to look to other things. He talks about how golf came so easy, right? It was, it was just thought it would always be there, but it didn't bring him happiness. Golf did not bring me personal happiness. So I began to look to other things for my happiness. With all the money I'd made, I thought I could buy happiness. I always loved fast cars. So first I bought a Porsche. When that didn't fill the emptiness, I bought a house. When that didn't do it either. I bought an airplane. None of those things brought me happiness I was looking for. So ton of cash, bought a plane, bought Porsches, bought houses, and obviously lived a wild life with women. After this incredible run on the scene, you know, his first 18 months as a pro. All right, I'm done. Just wanted to read that that one anecdote of him talking about buying up Porsches and planes. And do you have that? Do you have the fuzzy story from the 88 uh, Memorial? Oh, I have the fuzzy story. Let's this see. is the same. Jaime Diaz. So he's, he's in the turmoil right now again he's he's fallen off the map he comes to the memorial you know jack makes the quote like i never thought he was savvy or norman right after he said he's gonna win a bunch um sudden admits that he went when he hears others refer to him it hurts when he hears others refer to him as halimony <clears throat> oh wait before i get to the zeller quote can i talk to you talk a little bit about his wives yes. finding a support system apart from his parents has been perplexing for sutton who is largely a loner on tour two early marriages failed the first ending after five months in 1982 the second after less than a year in 1986 this quote is unbelievable the way he leads it in defense of both of my wives <laughs> They just didn't know what the tour was like until it was too late. What does that mean? In defense of both of my wives, was it his ex-wives? They just didn't know what the tour was like until it was too late. Sutton has fall, recently fallen in love with a woman who believes understands the demands. Un- understands the demands. What kind of demands? Being out on tour, chasing every... I mean, I don't understand. That woman didn't last also. <laughs> yes woman from hope arkansas hal has been carrying a lot inside of him the last few years says his mother mary he doesn't look it but he's very sensitive and people can be cruel sudden admits it hurts when people call him halimony so now we're at the memorial there's this pre-tournament shootout among 20 players crowd gets real quiet and three thousand pl- fans around the the tee sutton addresses his first tee shot suddenly fuzzy zeller cracks out Hey, Hal, how many of your ex-wives are in the gallery? As laughter from the crowd turned to embarrassed murmurs, Sutton remained expressionless and he never looked up. Zeller popping him. And this is, that's Zeller's kind of shtick. When the spectators became quiet, he smashed his drive down the middle and ignored the conciliatory pat on the back from Zeller. Nine holes later, Sutton beat Zeller to advance the final round of the shootout, which he won. Quote, I thought Fuzzy's comment was a little bit in poor taste. I will say it was very gratifying to go to the last hole and get to beat him. Kind of like, so the Halimony guy, guy lived a wild life, but the Halimony stuff really cut to him. Yeah. And even in 88, Zeller's popping him with people in the crowd. How many of your ex-wives are in the state? <laughs> in defense, both of my wives. They lasted, what, five months and less than a year? So it's a wild 
times, but he got it back. He became a better person, right? I mean, we're not talking about like this being a constant cycle. It, it was maybe, you know, in the 80s, he was a little different person. He became a better person later on. Yeah, he he just, he had, I mean, think about it though. He was 24, 25. He won a major when he's 25. Yeah. And he had truckloads of money. Yeah. This is like a, a thing that yep. all kinds of athletes have to deal with. And yep. you know what? Like, he wasn't just there. I think this is the thing is that when you look at greatness, like greatness is like an attribute, like the ability to pour, like what Tiger did. Tiger sacrificed so much like personal life and so many things to be great. Sure. And Hal Sutton could have been great, probably. Yep. But he just didn't have the drive to be great. He had the cash. Yeah. And he had the lifestyle. He had the talent. And he thought it would just kind of always be there. So I think this is just like an important thing to think about when, when you're looking at like players. Like from a talent perspective, Hal Sutton's a Hall of Famer. But from a results standpoint, he's not. Yeah. You know? Yep. And yep. like there are his, his big wins are unbelievable. But, you know, and that just shows, like, he had the talent, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really he, – he didn't do anything in the majors, really. You know, he won in 83. Yeah, after 83, it was a disaster. I mean, I'm, we're talking just eight top tens in uh, 68 starts, and none of them were really close. You know, it's like a T7. Well, he never – he didn't even go to the Open. In like the all of the nineties, I don't know if it's because he wasn't exempt. But, I don't think he was exempt. I mean, he just didn't even go. So, missed didn't miss as many cuts as Pavin. We talked about him the other night, but you know, he made thirty nine out of sixty eight cuts, but really not much, not much in the way of contention. Can we can we talk about the resurgence? Yes, let's do it. All right. Does that be the right club today? Be the right club today. So they didn't catch it. They didn't catch it on the on the oh live the, live. Yeah, that was the replay that got the be or the right club. Oh, okay. So six iron from one seventy nine. Is that accurate? Yeah. For uh, Be the Right Club. Six iron from 180. And that's with a solid core of golf ball. Yeah. That's yeah. before the lofts got turned down and the ball got really crazy. To eight feet. So. And he didn't make this. the putt. So. 2,000 players. Is that like that? That's, that's kind of the feather in his cap. He won two players. 2,000 players is really like the the hallmark of the second stage of his. Hey, career. did you notice in that Jenkins article they were. He talked mentioned how Jack had twenty majors. Nineteen. Nineteen. What was he counting? The amateur? I don't know. It had to be the am- or was it the Western? I I I noticed it right away. So he's not nineteen majors. I it's crazy how fluid this stuff is, right? Yeah. And now we're here and 
I mean, now if you go to the World Golf Hall of Fame, Hal Sutton's got <laughs> fucking three majors. You and I both noticed all that stuff. Yeah, reading Jenkins' article. Okay. So this is Alan Ship. Alan Shipnuck feature. I got a lot on this too, the, from this article. Alan Shipnuck, go ahead. The, the most vociferous dissenter was Sutton, an occasionally honorary forty-one year ornery, whatever ornery. 41-year-old from Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. He was in a different locker room than I was, he said with a growl. I I will tell you this. Praising Tiger all the time is certainly a defeatist attitude. Let's give context here. So this is Colin Monty. Monty, week before at Bay Hill, says, after the first round last week when Tiger shot 69, the view in the locker room without without anyone saying out loud was that the tournament was finished. It was like, who is going to finish second? Monty says that. It was over when uh, Tiger shot 69 in the first round of Bay Hill. And this pisses Hal Sutton off. And this this is really encapsulates the difference. He was in a different locker room than I was, as you just read. Go ahead. Praising Tiger all the time is certainly creating a defeatist attitude. There are a lot of people who don't think they can beat him right now down the stretch on Sunday. There's a lot of doubt in their minds. Yep. I mean, so this, the Monty stuff and this just like encapsulate the difference between Hal Sutton and everybody else. Well, the context also for the Monty quote saying it was over after the first round was like Tiger, had you won 10 of 16 starts? It's yeah. Tiger in 2000, right? Tiger in 2000. This is, this is March of 2000. The best Tiger Woods we've ever seen. He's won 10 of 16 stars, just won at Bay Hill, and now he's at the players. I mean, this is the year that he won uh, the Tiger, that he did the Tiger Slam. Yeah. Yeah. It's Pebble Beach, obviously. Um, so Sutton, like, really, this bugged him, though, right? People yeah. saying, like, Tiger, didn't he go back to Riviera? Do you have that part from uh, no, the next article? Yeah, so in February of this year, Sutton decided it was time to make a stand. He and Woods were paired together over the first two rounds. As trivial as it may sound, he said, I was I felt it was important that I send a message. I mean, this is Hal freaking Sutton, the tiger at his peak. And I mean, like, yeah, Hal Sutton was the bear apparent, you know, 18 years ago. I felt it was important to send a message. One that I could beat him playing with him, and two that he knew I could beat him playing with him. Sutton beat him by a shot, I think. Or Three or four shots, actually. This was typical Sutton, as no one in golf plays with more grim determination. I'm reading Shipnuck. Three-time winner over the past two seasons, Sutton went to another level last year with his courageous play at the Ryder Cup. So what would that be? 99. 99 Ryder Cup. He yeah, was the best high. player on the team. He was 3-1-1. One, and one. In the first few months of 2000, he maintained the momentum with four top seven finishes heading into the players. So he's playing well. Hey, while we're on the subject of the Ryder Cup, at 99 before we skip ahead to 2000. This is from, I don't know. This was from an Irish article. It said on his fourth wife, but committed to sobriety. This is after they win the comeback on his fourth wife, but committed to sobriety and clean living announced that even he would down a shot for the team yeah, spectacle, which generated the biggest roar of the evening in the Brookline clubhouse. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is not, if you're sober, please you know, we're here to support you. But like, I think a few months later, he was divorced from that fourth wife. That's what I was going to ask. Is he done with the fourth wife? Yeah, four uh, divorces. Shit. 
Poor Hal. All right, back back to 2000. <laughs> that was Ryder Cup. Even I will down a shot for this team. All right, so he was bothered. So he, he tried to go head-to-head with Tiger. He beat him playing together at, at Riv. And now, you know, he's pissed about Monty's comments in March. And they get paired together for Sunday. Did you see who uh, <laughs> shot a 69 in the second round? At the players take a one-stroke lead over Tom Lehman, and do you see who else? Omar Uresti. Yeah, the PGA pro, just like oh, every other professional pro. golf pro out there, <laughs> your local home club pro. Second Omar. place at the players. Omar, the your yeah. local home home club oh, pro. All right, what That's else? Like the, that might be the ultimate skid mark on the PGA. <laughs> It's just letting Omar Urusti just that is in the club tro- professional troll, troll around as a club professional. <laughs> All right, guy fucking finished second in a, in a players. I don't know if he was second, but he was on the weekend. He was second. Layman and Hal Sutton and Omar. All right, let's let's keep on two thousand. What else you got on on the two thousand players? I don't have much else. I remember watching this vividly, and it was like. I, I was a big Hal Sutton fan because, you know, I was a huge Tiger fan. But at the same time, there there was something about him. He stood up to Tiger. And this yeah. is this is a lasting legacy. Is yeah. He clearly had the, the talent to, to be one of those guys, but he never decided he wanted to be one of those guys. Yeah. And because of that, like, he could win. You know, he could pop up and beat him. You know, it it wasn't he wasn't Y.E. Yang. He wasn't Ed Fiore. Yeah. But he was the only guy that that stood up and beat Tiger. Like, you know, you think about like Ernie didn't do it. Phil didn't do it. And you wonder, like, had I mean, he held didn't do it like consistently. Yeah, but he did it. He on a Sunday did it. You know, like those are things that guys didn't do then. And he did it to Jack and him. He did it to VJ, too. In the 98 uh, Tour Championship, he beat VJ on Sunday. Yep. So he, he really was feeling himself this week, though. Can, we, can I throw out more quotes? Yeah. After he beat him? Or, you know, this was Saturday night. You have the greatest championship in the game, and you have got the best player in the world right there on my tail. It doesn't mean he's going to win tomorrow, even though everybody else in the world is trying to figure out a way for him to go ahead and do it. So Tiger is just amused by this. He's just like laughing at Hal, like talking about he beat him two rounds in Riviera. Because I'm going to go out there and play my game. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Hal may think a little differently. That's fine. He needs to motivate himself the way he needs to motivate himself. So then <laughs> Hal makes the point of he blew his he blew his drive well past Woods, I think, on the second hole. It made a point to say Tiger hit driver, by the way. It's amazing. <laughs> point out that Tiger hit driver as well. Uh, and then when he wins, he goes, he's still like, he's like, obviously it's just, you know, I motivate myself, but he's still kind of popping at Tiger. Tiger Woods is not bigger than the game. The other night I was lying in bed. I said, you know what? I'm not praying to him. He's not a God. He's just a human like I am. So we can do this. So he just kind of kept saying, you know, I, I'm not going to bow down to Tiger. Very different approach than Monty at Bay Hill. So, it's, all right. That's Anything else. Nothing else. You want to do the Ryder Cup stuff? Yeah. We'll we'll get quick here. So Oakland Hills, just complete, total disaster. Not necessarily for, I mean, 
He's in the Cowboys hat. <laughs> We're really one of the worst Ryder Cups ever. This is underrated. You know, the 2006 gets, you know, all the love for the ugly uniforms and like Vaughn Taylor, Brett Ruderick types, but this was not competitive after day one. Tiger Phil, Tiger Phil pairing did not go well. No, no. So before it starts, the Euros are still pissed about Brookline, 99. So we've only had one Ryder Cup. This was the first one back on the U.S. soil after Brookline, I believe, right? So because we lost one to yeah. 9-11. So he's getting asked about it by the British press. Before they even finish the question, he goes, look, y'all have been kind of like a bad marriage partner, which he would know, <laughs> parenthetically see. <laughs> y'all have been kind of like a bad marriage partner. We've apologized for five years for what happened in 99. So y'all need to forget about that. The American players, if we had to do it all over again, would not have run out onto the green. Truth of the matter is, we're going to be ourselves. Told their players, just go be yourself, be gentlemen, and be yourself. I can't be concerned to try to control everyone else in the world. I have some control. Some. Let me say some. Emphasize. Please, over these 12 guys. I don't have any control over but everybody, anybody else in the world. So we're going to go out there and be ourselves. No more apologies. So he was just like, we're done. Stop talking about 99. Y'all are like a bad marriage partner. Um, I just realized my mic wasn't on. I thought it sounded a little different, but I should have said something. Bad it's time. been recorded, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. As long as we have the recording. Bad Fuck. news. Well, it wasn't me this time. All right. One Unbelievable. Thing. I've been talking into this thing all night. Things right in your face. It's just not even doing anything. So Hal, like, it's just Hal is pretty unrepentant about putting Tiger and Phil together, and how it blows up in their face. It was just this was not competitive. He's wearing the cowboy hat, which the caddies gave to him. Stetson just grinning like a total goofball on the first tee, kind of prancing around. He is thick. H T H I C C definition of thick, right? <laughs> Got like kind of the square head that just. He's like a snowman. Very you know, sick. neck. Sort of like the snowman type <laughs> so motif. Sick. Right? His neck's not really there. It just blends into one, you know, the, the, the uh, midsection. Um, <laughs> so, so he's unrepentant about that pairing. He goes, I, I thought we won best dress that week, and that was it. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> Phil and he him came to, came to Yeah, blows. I got that. I got it next. Because one thing that I would have changed is the pairing of Tiger and Phil. At some point, we had to find out if they were compatible to play. If anything else, we proved that wasn't a good pairing. So he's saying, <laughs> you know, he's saying he jumped on the grenade. This is 06. It wasn't a total loss. I can tell you if I had done that, every captain that came along would have been wonder, wondering, should we do that or should we not? <laughs> so this, of course, becomes a big drama. At Hazeltine, 2016, 10 years later, Phil just throws Al Sutton under the bus. Speaking, I, <laughs> uh, by the way, Hal says he pretty much quit golf after the oh, after yeah. the 06 Ryder Cup or 04. I'm sorry, 04 Ryder Cup. You just rode off into the sunset. I pretty much quit golf after that. I took the blame for everything. Nobody played very good that week, but I took it tough as a captain when you aren't in there and people don't play well. It's hard to beat anybody. When you play well, you beat everyone. It's a thankless job being a captain. He doesn't like team sports. That's That's a good point. That goes back to his football days in Louisiana. Yeah. So when we, so here's Phil at Hazeltine, 2016, 12 years later. When we were told two days before that we were playing together, 
that gave us no time to work together and prepared. Tiger found out the year before when we played at the President's Cup in 2003 that the golf ball I was playing was not going to work for him. He plays a very high spin ball, and I play a very low spin ball. We had to come up with two days with the solution. So I grabbed a couple dozen of his balls. I went off to the side and tried to learn his golf ball. Remember, this was like all these yeah. anecdotes. This What's was a Callaway time. When he yeah. Callaway. He's way over on the other end of the range at Oakland Hills. When he had to take a big, big, uh, big deal with Callaway for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I went off to the side and tried to learn his golf ball. It forced me to stop my preparation for the tournament, stop chipping, stop putting, stop sharpening my game, and stop learning the golf course in an effort to crash course and learn a whole different golf ball that we were going to be playing, so Tiger's ball. Had we known a month in advance, we might have been able to make it work. I think we probably would have made it work, but we didn't know until two days prior. That's an example, speaking of Phil, that's an example of starting with the captain. He put us in a position to fail, and we failed monumentally. Absolutely. This is a hazel thing. Just barrels over Sutton. Sutton is like nearby at some like, you know, past captain's event. He gets worked up about this. Nothing surprises me in the world we live in today. I don't think I can win by saying anything. Well, he says a lot after that. I find it amusing that that's an issue at the 2016 Ryder Cup. I think Phil better get his mind on what he needs to get on to have it right this week instead of something that happened 10 years ago. You all write it the way you see it instead of wanting me to do this. I mean, my God. So he says, like, I can't win by saying anything. He goes, you just write it how you want. And then he just launches into, like, <laughs> you know, blistering critique of Phil. I mean, my God, somebody's got to be the fall guy. If it needs to be me, I can do that. If he wants to put the blame on me, then let him do it. But I still need to shoulder the blame for Phil. I'll do that. He didn't even call me and tell me he was changing his equipment, so Phil had just changed. He, his agent, Steve Loy, called and told me. He changed not only equipment, he changed the ball too. So print that, print that, print that. Says it three times. (laughs) He let I his love whole... that he broke, said, said right what you want. And then, this and then he starts going into his own quotes. He let his whole team down. So he's talking about Hal Sutton. He let his whole team down. And, they, and he thought he justified it later by saying Arnie and Jack weren't tight and they became great friends. So he's trying to bring the game together. The world of golf would be better off if Tiger and Phil became friends. I thought they would play together. They could become better friends. But it had to be somebody else's fault. It has to be Hal Sutton's fault. It had to be. Do you think I didn't do it? Do you think I had anything to do with how poorly he played? You all remember how bad it was? He hit a three-wood against the fence on the last hole. A three-wood. A three-wood. That's the story you all need to be writing. So it's kind of like Phil at Paris, unplayable. He's yelling about how he had a three-one against the fence. That's the story you need to be right. I'll tell you what: the more you dig into Phil, uh, Phil Mickelson, the worse the legacy gets. <laughs> oh, interesting. Er- Ernie, Ernie, number two player in the generation. All right, I know where this is going so long, but I got to read you a very fried-ass quote from about 2004. This is him talking again in 2016. On the Friday evening in Oakland Hills, they're getting their ass kicked after we've gotten trounced. I'm out there watching the last group. I've got to, I've got to go to the press room. I have a headset on, and Jackie Burke and Steve Jones are on their end. I say to Jackie and Steve, we've got to sit Tiger or Phil because we need to make a statement. I've got my opinion on who needs to sit. I need your calls too. Jackie Burke comes on and says, well, Hal, 
sit them both. He goes, well, hell, well, hell, hell, sit them both because it ain't going to make a damn bit of difference. Why'd you say that? He said, when you get in, I'll show you. And so Jackie Burke, he gets in. Jackie Burke to hell, son. Every American's got their shaft leaning back and every European's got their shaft leaning forward. And we ain't got enough time to teach them the difference. Do you know why that is? Because every American is taught by virtue of his environment to hit the ball straight up in the air like that. And every European is taught to hit the ball lower and maneuver the ground. And Oakland Hills requires you to play the ground game and not one single American could get that figured out. How about that? Wow. Jackie Burke, Friday night at 2004, Oakland Hills. Hal's asking him whether he sits Tiger Phil. Ain't going to make a damn bit of difference. Sit them both. Where you got the shaffling and forward, legend. they got it back. Jackie Pretty cool, Burke right? Legend. Man. Euro's got their last shaffling and forward. Pretty good. Really good. Uh, you know, Phil apologizes like the next day at Hazeltine. But that's it. That's all I got on the Ryder Cup. Anything else? I, Heart attack in the Champions Tour yeah. event. He doesn't really play Champions Tour. He, he said he was trying to make a comeback last year. I don't know how that went. Yeah, I don't. I think he's, it, he's teaching in Houston area at the big yeah. golf club or something. Yeah, so, yeah, he's down in Houston. Um, All right. I, I got to give a special shout out to Sean Clark on Twitter who went with, <laughs> who replied to your tweet with "Be the right wife today." Fairly so he is, so he is you he is divorced from the fourth one. Yes. So he's still looking for the right. Does he there's not a fifth as far as we know. I don't know. The first one was six months, second one was less than a year. The other one was short lived. He's got kids. Yeah. He's got twins, right? He's got three or four kids. Twins yeah. with the third one, or yeah, twins, twins with the fourth with, one. Twins, uh, I don't twins know. with the fourth one. Because they learned to walk at the two thousand players. So I think yeah. it was the fourth one. Halimony, deep dive. I don't know if this will all be this long, but we both did some significant research. On I mean, Hal was just full I mean, legend. I think. Where, what's his legacy for you? Not a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer. I, I mean, God. So here's the thing. the The tricky thing is like, what do you weigh? Like, when you weigh what he did, he's Hall of Fame talent. Like statistics aren't going to say he's a hall of famer. Yeah. But were there 10 better players from in the last 40 years, like better than his best? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really strong argument that amateur run that Sean Martin tweeted at us into the whole like first, you know, 24 to 36 months on tour. That's a really strong argument in that like three to four year stretch, five year stretch, 80 to 84. Let's say that. Like if your life depended on, on somebody playing golf, like if you were just picking guys at random, Hal Sutton would go very high. Why go before a lot of hall of famers? I just like you can't like he, he did nothing in the majors. I mean, he, he didn't do players. anything. He didn't do anything for a decade. I know in the middle there, but <laughs> it but is like, prime. Let's, like let's not overlook from age twenty eight to thirty eight. He did nothing. Right in the peak of his prime, he did zero. Then gets his act together. You know, he, he's 
a stalwart at Brookline wins the 2000 players against Tiger and Tiger 2000. I mean, it's a really different, fascinating career. I don't know that like that happens now, does it? I mean, so Fred Couples, it, what he went, he won one major and how many other times? Yeah, but he didn't have like the, oh, you're talking about because he's in the hall? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Hal Sutton, it's it's a really strange thing because like the fact that he beat Jack and Tiger on a Sunday to me like weighs so heavily. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like it's like an eye test thing, right? By the way, like Jack wasn't like, uh, Jack shot 66 at that yeah. Riviera. Like he was, it was, it was a charge. You know, Vintage Jack kind of charge. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That weighs heavily for you. It does. I mean, like the manner in which you get yours, you know, yeah. is yep. is big. And yeah. you got two players, a uh, uh, PGA, 14 tour wins total. Granted, like, but like just sheerly on talent, he is a yes. But on if you're, he'd be, he's just, he's questionable. I feel like his legacy has sort of been like for our generation reduced to the cowboy hat, you know, and that's not fair. I'm not but like it, it for us be that, that players. I mean, we were born in mid eighties or early eighties. Like, so we didn't see him then. Yeah. It should be the 2000 players. You think? And, and well, yeah, his legacy is be the right club. That club is on everything, but the cowboy hat and be the right club. So I mean, for our generation, he beat tiger when nobody was beating tiger. That's a good point. And he and he beat Jack. Like that's I don't I don't know. I'm not I haven't fully decided. I think I think I, when we get through more of these, I'll have more of an opinion on whether he's he's in my hall. He's he's better than like Hal Sutton, Corey Pavin, Hal Sutton all day. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, what I think he, I don't know, Monty and him. That that those two quotes are so. Revealing. Yeah, we didn't have that planned. You know, we didn't have that plan to do them in the same week or anything like that. But it's been a good week in terms of kind of interconnectedness between these three spotlights. Whether it's Pavin and Monty at the Ryder Cup, and now those two quotes. So, um, anything else? Nothing. You got anything yeah. else? Be the right wife today. Pretty good. Pretty good tweet. Uh, everyone, enjoy your weekends. We'll probably try to keep these shorter, but you know, you can listen to it throughout the weekend. It's evergreen. Yeah, listen. You know, the best thing, the best thing you can do to support us is to listen. And get Pixby Coffee Shotgun start. Yeah, that too. Right? Not the best, but it's a it's a way to help. Uh, thank you guys. These will these are fun. If you like them. If you don't like them, if you don't like a certain aspect of them, let us know. We'll try to improve on them. So, Hal Sutton, enjoy it over the weekend. Savor it. We'll be back with uh, Monday morning with another one.